Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad you joined us. Today's episode, some insider baseball about this event we recently had in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. We've been spending the last few days sort of going over what went well, what we can improve. Uh, I was up late last night with the DCBKK team, speaking with hotel partners and vendors in Thailand, trying to get our marquee event back on the calendar this year. And in just a few minutes, I'm jumping on the phone with event hosts who are hosting events in America and Europe this summer. And to pile on, last month in March, we almost had our first six-figure month at Dynamite Jobs. Actually, down in Playa, I spoke about some of the strategies we used to get there, and hopefully we can get over the hump in the next few months here. So that's a long way of saying I've been busy and pulled in a lot of different directions. And as I look up at the production calendar, I only have two interviews on the calendar. So this is a long way to ask if there's something you'd like to hear on this podcast that you want us and the production team to go to work to you, content you want to hear Ian and myself speak about and the guests that we can pull into the show, just pull out your iPhone or your Android. I happen to be an Android person nowadays. And open up your email client. My email address is dan at tropicalmba.com. If in the next few weeks and months you want to hear us talk about something that's important to you, let us know what that is. Those sorts of prompts and questions really spark our creativity, and we love hearing directly from you, the listener. Okay, so let's get into today's one. As promised, we're going to share some of the insights we've had from hosting our first ever in-person event in a place that took off as a temporary home and a hotspot for many in the community during COVID time. That place is Playa del Carmen a thriving beachside resort town on Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula. And I'm not going to do too much of an introduction here because we get into it all in the forthcoming interview, which comes in the form of kind of a debrief phone call with Jeff Picaro. As many of you know, he has worked with us at our events for the better part of a decade and continues to do an amazing job on both looking for interesting people to share their stories and also helping those speakers deliver the kind of presentations that our attendees have come to expect. And for the first time ever, unfortunately, Jeff had to do all that remotely because he couldn't attend the Playa event in person. Mm -hmm. So we basically recorded the phone call that we would have had anyway. Like, how did it go? We were on the phone personally for hours. And for part of it, we hit the record button. And we're going to share that here with you today. So let's get to it. I started off by asking Jeff what he's found to be the most difficult part of his role. The hardest part is helping people understand what's interesting about them to a group of really unconventional attendees. So most of the people in our audience are making between six and seven figures, working in very interesting original businesses that aren't quite like anything that you might have gotten at a business school. And they're living very unconventional lives a lot of the time in terms of living abroad, bouncing from place to place, being nomadic what have you. It's not a traditional business conference audience in the sense that they don't want to hear your theories and they don't want to hear your like grand success story. They're looking for the things that they can take and run out of the room and give to their their team on Monday morning to help 
them grow. So it's really much more of a community of peers than it is like a captive audience. And I think that's a big adjustment for a lot of our speakers. We're going to take this time to talk about our insights into the location independent community in 2022, how things have changed or not, some key business trends we're going to talk about today. And we're also going to take a look at Mexico and talk just generally about why we hosted an event there. And at the end of the episode, we'll look forward to future events in this year that I know many listeners are excited to come to. Well, let me turn the conversation on its head here, Dan, because this is the first event that I've booked that I didn't actually get to attend. So I got to work with a lot of the speakers over Zoom. But as we've learned the last couple of years, that's definitely not the same thing. So I'd love to get your perspective on how the event went and catch up on uh, how the speakers did and what they had to deliver to us. So I guess taking it from the top, we've typically run these events in, you know, big cities. So Bangkok has been our flagship for 10 years now, and we've done events in Berlin, Barcelona, even Austin, Texas is not a small city compared to Playa del Carmen. I'd love to get your take on what it was like running the spring break style event for entrepreneurs. That was the concept. Essentially, we wanted to establish in the community that April is the month when high-end location independent entrepreneurs go to Mexico. And you're going to see what made it to stage this year is four eight-figure businesses. I mean, these are not businesses that have raised like venture funding. These are businesses in the community. How did you feel like that compared to most of the people running around Playa del Carmen, which has really become a digital nomad hotspot or refuge during the pandemic? A few nomads who were on the ground there like helped us with logistics and stuff. And so we'd come to a few of the parties. To qualify as a nomad is very simple, right? You just start nomading. You can be a remote worker. There's 90% of the ways you can become a nomad or none of them would qualify you to become a member of the DC. And so when you talk earlier about people with quirky businesses and six, seven, eight figure businesses and teams and all this kind of stuff, um, we're really talking about location independent entrepreneurs. And in that sense, we would represent the top end of the digital nomad community, the part of the community that's focused and dedicated for many years on business. Because sometimes, especially with these lower key events that are lower priced, so this is a DCX event that we hosted. But again, we didn't want to have another premier event in Mexico. I, I wouldn't have to like describe the whole strategy, but our next premier events in October, suffice it to say, this was a little bit more of a low key event. And so here and there, people want to come to these events. They might make an exception here and there. Somebody brings somebody, et cetera. And when you bump into somebody at a party, at a DC party, it's a buzzkill when you bump into somebody that doesn't have a business. There's something about the mutual understanding and sacrifice it's one thing if, if someone doesn't have a business and they're there as a guest and they know that. It's actually the worst case scenario is when you bump into somebody that doesn't have a business, but is kind of there because they want something you have. And it creates a dynamic where almost at the outside of that conversation, it's immediately about what you can do for them. And I feel like the community that we've built is exactly the opposite, where people are going around looking, hey, how might I be able to help these people in this community? And business owners have that kind of abundance in their lives and ability, frankly, to be able to make these higher level connections. And that's why it's different from just a traditional meetup thing that, you know, all these groups and these cruises and these co-livings and all these things that exist. But there's something about those groups being more about sharing people, sharing ideas. But when you get to places like the DC, it's about sharing higher level things like resources, potentially. There is an attitude that we filter for of 
being intentional, being generous and being serious. Come back to your idea about location independent versus location arbitrary. And I, I think very few of the people that come to DC events are there for an arbitrary reason because they wanted to get a tan. They're there to learn something, to get some business done, to make some connections. And we've all seen people go from being volunteers to being up on stage in two or three years because they had the right attitude towards absorbing and connecting and frankly, you're looking to give before they were looking to get. We filter for that. We try. That's the vibe. And that's what's different about these groups than I would say a traditional meetup group is filtering. So now the original question, which we were looping around is like, we decided to do a spring break, low key event in Playa del Carmen. I think it was really, really fun. It was so chill. Playa del Carmen is nicer than I expected. Initially, you're talking about a place that is a dive spot, essentially a vacation spot. And all of a sudden overnight, it becomes like a digital nomad hotspot because Asia and Europe shut down and Mexico opens its nomadic doors, so to speak. It just seems like an incredibly easy place, Jeff, to just go and live on a budget. And if you want to have a good lifestyle on a North American time zone where you're really able to leverage your time into your laptop, so to speak, because everything's done for you and you can walk everywhere in five minutes. And Playa del Carmen, it has an incredible value proposition for that. I think it would be tough to imagine being there for extended amounts of time. It's a little bit of a nothing burger as a place. If you were to compare it to a place like Chiang Mai, which is, has a similar value proposition, Chiang Mai has like a much more kind of city and culture Whereas Playa del Carmen has a similar value prop, better time zone. I think I would get worn out if I was there for more than a couple of weeks. It's one kind of notable experience was on Monday night when we first got there, we walked out to what was ultimately a really nice dinner. And as we were walking home, it was like Monday, Sunday night or something like that. I'm just looking around and I, you could have sworn it was like a Saturday night in Las Vegas. Like it was pumping and uh, on the main street downtown. And I just thought that was pretty unique about it. So the other thing, Jeff, that's I think relevant about doing an event in like a more of a lifestyle town than a city is the level of infrastructure, specifically for the price of about $200 a night for a luxury hotel, which is typically what we target for our events. I think we basically got one of the bigger properties in all of Playa. And so for Hosting 300 members who all have different ideas about how their days should go. I really think that doing it in a major metropolitan at a serious five-star venue that does this kind of thing regularly, you can tell the difference. That level of service can't be beat in these smaller beach locations with perhaps the exception of an all-inclusive, which some had suggested to me. Having recently done that for a wedding, I really don't think that's the DC scene. I think DCers are adventure like travelers they are very well schooled in international cities and places frankly i don't care how nice your all-inclusive resort is but they're going to have way higher standards for local cuisine than you're ever going to find in an all-inclusive resort so i do think there's some kind of virtue of being in cities where everybody can choose their own path when they do have some spare time at the event so full transparency, the hardest part of missing the event was not, in fact, the, the parties and the pools, but the uh, crippling loss of control that I had over the content for this event, sitting on Slack and Twitter and trying to get any update that I could about how things were going. So if you've got time, I'd love to walk through here the seven speeches that we put on stage on Thursday and what your big takeaways were from each of the speakers. 
Yeah, let's do it. I thought this year's speaker line lineup was one of the strongest, if not the strongest we've ever had at a DC event. And that's just basically based on the eye test in terms of my actual emotions watching these talks. They were very interesting, very engaging, some incredible stories up there and some really well-prepared speakers. Appreciate the feedback. And for this event, we kind of went all out with a trend that we were noticing in the community, which is that there are these plateaus in business. And whether you hit that at, you know, 100,000, whether you hit that at mid six figures, in particular, there seems to be one in the low, you know, kind of seven figure range. And so we were really trying to figure out who can we bring in that can speak to breaking past that plateau, figuring out what it takes to grow a larger organization. And in particular, we had a, a unique opportunity for this event to bring in a number of speakers who managed to do that while running remote teams, while staying location independent and while staying bootstrapped without bringing on venture funding. Yeah, that's really interesting, Jeff. And there's the meta theme of the event essentially, which is there's just a lot more businesses achieving these kinds of eight figure results. A lot of us entered the community five, 10 years ago saying, hey, forget about corporate, forget about Silicon Valley, I'm happy to make X doing this kind of work so long as I have the freedoms that are attached to it. And now that there's more and more examples of entrepreneurs in our community saying, it seems like we had a pretty good advantage against the people that went to Silicon Valley or the people that went to corporate, the businesses that they work for, this seems to be smarter in general. So why are we limiting our mindset that we can't compete with folks who raised a lot of money or with big entrenched competitors? We have a fresh take. We are the future of business and working for a seven figure business is easier than working for a six most days. And, and it it can even get easier as your revenue continues to scale into eight figures. And so there is sort of this meta idea in the community that more and more of us are building eight figure businesses. And why can't the rest of us at least get on that trajectory and have that outcome in sight, even if we don't ultimately land there. So you want to jump into these themes? So every year after DCBKK, we try to take the time to do an episode with you and Ian and I that usually starts at a bar sitting down and saying, okay, what are the real trends in the community this year? And I think one of the ones that's been really noticeable over the last two years that we've all been locked down, but in an e-commerce boom and in a massive global transition to remote has been that as these businesses grow, there are these plateaus that don't necessarily have a defined number. They might be a defined skill set or, or a defined limitation of the team, but every business runs into them. They're really frustrating. And the only way out of them seems to be massive personal growth, <laughs> which, you know, is as much fun as it sounds. So I would love to get your take from the talks that we had on Thursday, what some of these insights were from this event that I was trying to watch like a fly on the wall. So our first speaker was Eamon Al-Abdullah. I just want to give a shout out to Eamon if he's listening. Uh, And actually to the whole speaker core, you guys did so great. And the case that Eamon's making, and if you're curious, uh, he's been on the pod just a few weeks ago. The point he really drove home, Jeff, is that basic is not easy. He presented us with the importance of the fundamentals in business. For example, he thinks hiring is overrated. I think this is a really interesting concept. Um, And we're going to see a little bit later that when things start to get crazy and revenue starts coming in, people start throwing people at problems. But I really like Eamon's focus on process, not SOPs or whatever, but understanding the cash flow process in your business and how it works is actually really the whole game because you're trying to increase the velocity and the scale of the way that cash flow engine works. 
And then you want to plug great people into that cash flow process. So this totally changes the types of people that you might hire. If you're struggling to break through a plateau normally, you might say, well, I need like a general marketer somewhere. I just need more eyeballs on my shit, right? I just need people to go out there and like do channel experiments. But it's harder and probably more fruitful to actually look at your cash flow engine and say, how does this engine work? How does it move? And how can the individual components become accelerated? And Eamon's story has the proof in the pudding. Went from three to over $80 million in annual revenue by simply accelerating that cash flow engine. And what he did is basic, but it's not easy. And Eamon continues to drive into my head when we spend time together, Jeff. He's like, what are you going to choose? The entrepreneur who sits around with a bunch of good ideas all the time or the entrepreneur who is a ruthless executor? And there's so many stories around his talk that illustrated this basic point of even the best in the world, they're the best because they get into the gym every single day and they do the basics. It was really inspiring. That's something I'm trying to keep in mind on a daily basis, Jeff, as we grow now we're in that valley of death of being a seven-figure business. I want to keep us on the path to eight figures. And I know that starts with the attitude of the founders and the day-to-day -day executives and them understanding that basic is not easy. And shout out to Eamon for asking the best questions about how to connect to the audience and who he was speaking to of any speaker I've ever worked with. But what Eamon said to me that was so interesting was about when he walked in the door to take the role as the CEO of AppSumo, just how many things were on his plate and how he was able to take a look at all of that and say, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do all of this myself. And there's no way I'm ever going to be able to be good at all of this myself. But instead of outsourcing all these different responsibilities and building up a big team of people who might not necessarily have had the same vision that he did, he put a lot of effort into getting really clear on what was actually moving the business forward. He very quickly figured out who their most important customers were what motivated those customers and what those customers wanted to buy. For AppSumo, that was they had small agencies or independent agencies that wanted affordable software on lifetime deals so they knew how they could budget their expenses going forward. And what I thought was so fascinating was that just by putting his effort into one type of customer with one type of offer for one value proposition, they were able to triple. That was the initial tripling of AppSumo's revenue under Eamon's leadership. And once that was possible, once that worked, it was possible to build a team. It was possible to expand to other things. It was possible to start working on other projects. But I think that essentialism of figuring out what is, what are the biggest levers that you can pull with the smallest team and the smallest effort was really fascinating. It's very disconcerting when someone like Eamon, who hard won these concepts and principles at a scale, um, starting at 3 million and plus in terms of annual revenue, it can feel weird if you're coming through the six-figure zone where it was really you were the player and you were able to get the ball and make it to the end zone because you could make the sale, you could write the copy, you could put up the site. And now all of a sudden to take a look at a spreadsheet, to take a look at a cash flow diagram or organizational chart, these things all have growing pains associated. I'm sitting down with your bookkeeper and digging into your financial cash flow plan. These are the transitions and the personal growth that you have to make in order to go from that player to the coach. Awesome. So next up, we had Alex Pantich from Upshift.Work talking about how they've managed to build a massive staffing organization uh, on a fully remote team. It was 
such a great talk. He's such a like a talented entrepreneur. This is awesome to see what they've done. Their projected sales are nine figures in 2000 in this year. Alex had so many innovative ways of managing staff. And I think this is a, a big nut to crack for remote first organizations like Alex's and like a lot of ours that are going to end up having enormous staffs working for them. What are the best ways to incentivize people? And so Alex had all kinds of innovative ways of advancing people through the organization. I thought that was really interesting in incentivizing people with bonus pools, for example, quarterly and annually. One of the things that Upshift does is it it takes an old, tired industry, people who in some cases don't even have email addresses, local staffing agencies, whom employers have begrudgingly dealt with for decades and all of a sudden says, hey, guess we can do it better. We can do it better by building an innovative global team that thinks about work differently and cares about temporary staff in a way that maybe they haven't been valued in, in a few decades. And there's so many niches out there. If you're thinking about building something big, there's no need to compete against the Stanford class of 2021. There's a bunch of enormous industries out there that aren't even on email yet. And so I thought that was uh, amazing to see a dyed in the wool, location independent, fundamentally digitally nomadic company do so well with local staffing, building an amazing business for them. You should check it out, upshift.work. They're doing really big things. And Alex is a great entrepreneur. One of the other things that Alex said to me that was so interesting, we've talked on this podcast for 10 years about the Peter Principle and the way that the traditional American corporation takes talented people and moves them to a level of their own incompetence. But in particular, it takes talented implementers and moves them into management as if they're going to magically learn a new skill set overnight and be good at it, even if it doesn't suit their personality. And I thought it was an incredible insight from Alex to find ways to advance people in terms of their seniority and in terms of their pay, the money that they bring home for being great implementers without forcing them into becoming an entirely different kind of role that frankly, they may not have ever wanted, but that they accepted because they wanted to make a little bit more money to bring home to their family. Yeah, it is a profound insight because if I had a nickel for every time I heard someone say, you know, I've got to up my management skills, or I got to learn upskill to people management so that I don't cap my income. And I think it's a, a really cool idea to find ways around that. I just want to give a big thanks to all of you who listened to ads like this and went on over to dynamitejobs.com to see what we've got going on over there. Because of that, we've helped place hundreds of qualified remote professionals in your companies last year. And for this holiday season, many of you are gearing up your operation for continued growth in 2022. And to help you do it, we've got three exciting options for you to explore. The first is our entirely new hiring platform with a job post dashboard that allows you to repost and promote anytime. We've got a growing list of features there, including intelligent promotion options to help you get the maximum amount of applications. We've also got our done for you service. If you're sick of sorting, assessing, and interviewing, you can hire our senior recruiting staff to do the heavy lifting on your behalf. They are experienced at identifying trajectory, alignment, salary fit, and much more. And the best part is it's a flat fee. If you're hiring multiple times in 2022, we're offering bundles with steep discounts. Head on over to dynamitejobs.com and book a call to hear about that. And finally, we offer 
contract recruiting. That's right, a zero risk hiring option if you don't really know about the long-term fit. Or if you're looking for a partner to help take care of the legalities of hiring contractors, we can do that for a monthly fee for the contractors that you bring on board. So let's grow together. If you're looking to grow your remote business, book a call with our team and find out today how Dynamite Jobs can help. You can find out about this and much more over at dynamitejobs.com slash remote recruiting. All right, what do you say we get moving on to Jason Long? Yeah, so next up we've got Jason Long, who is a longtime member of the DC. I think he's uh, he's probably best known for being the guy who is ready to to sit down and help out over a bowl of curry with whatever your business problems are, because he's managed such a diverse suite of businesses over the years, primarily in software and productized services. But we found out in Mexico City last fall that that Jason was tasked with, I don't think he'd be upset with me saying a very troubled software business. And so the title of his talk was turning around a software business in free fall. Yeah, well, Jason absolutely crushed. And it was so fascinating what he had learned through the process and it fulfilled that reputation he has in the community as like he's an instant generous mastermind. And I think his speech really fulfilled that of like over delivering from his experience. It's also interesting to see how his career has played out, having some notoriety as an entrepreneur, as someone who's skilled in software businesses, all of a sudden a PE firm calls you up and offers you a turnaround CEO role. These are the kinds of exciting opportunities that come about when you choose that entrepreneurship career path. So pretty cool. I think one of the interesting things, Jason's story is essentially a masterclass in implementing Gino Wickham's traction and all the ways that can do wonders for your business and the challenges that you'll have and, and also the weak points of the philosophy. Jason also has a lot of his own original thinking, but how he applies this is incredibly methodical. Perhaps along this theme of, well, how do you get through plateaus in businesses? You professionalize those businesses. And Jason just brought this level of professionalism in order to help get this company on the right path. I also want to mention this as an opportunity because our community has en masse come to rely on the ideas in the book Traction as more or less the de facto standard way to take a pile of duct tape and bubble gum and ideas flowing all around and turn it into something that looks like a business with knobs and levers that you can actually pull on and make a difference, a cash machine, which is what we're trying to generate. And I think traction has a lot of weak points. That said, we've done a lot of episodes on the topic, including with the author and with implementers. But if you listen to this right now, and you're a business consultant, I do think it's an enormous opportunity to help people implement ideas like traction and to build them out, to focus them, to toy with them and see where it goes, Jeff, because one of the meta opportunity themes is the people that listen to this podcast are now the ones running these seven and eight figure businesses. And they're looking for solutions that don't sound like McKinsey and company or implementing Oracle or SAP. So I do think that there's this like management consulting for the rest of us that, and, and what does that look like and how simple it is and how is it billed and priced? These are amazing considerations. And essentially Jason gave us a masterclass in how to professionalize the business. Let's get moving on to our next one. Dana Lindell, who listeners of the pod will recognize was on the show just a few weeks ago. His speech was 
it was a little bit different. It was very focused. It was, there was lots of takeaways in it and uh, super funny. Also to me, like this prototypical DC talk where Dana was very much in progress. He was incredibly vulnerable, had a really tough end of Q4 where we're talking about financial troubles, layoffs, but all dealing with the growth of legendary podcasts. So, okay. In the background, there are positive things that are leading to a breakdown in both Dana's skill set. Now, all of a sudden, it's not only do I have to up level my own personal skill set, but my business at the same time. What's fascinating to me about Dana and what I was so excited about this talk for is that Dana got what every early DC agency wants, which is he hit that kind of hockey stick growth. He found the perfect product market fit. He was onboarding clients faster than he could serve them, and his team was just growing out of control. Yeah, we're talking like over 35 team members or 40 team members from 20 in like one year. He got everything he ever wanted and uh, he quickly figured out the places where it breaks. The dirty little secret behind talks for DC is that what works best is often not the victory lap at the end of a great journey or after an exit, but the in the trenches stuff that's happening right now in the last few months of your business some of which is hard, a lot of which isn't easy to talk about. And those kind of like in-progress stories relate so much to the people in the audience because they're going through the exact same things or they're about to go through the exact same things and they know it's real lived experience. A nugget, a takeaway from Jason and Dana's talk, if we combine the two, what Dana really found, one of the key takeaways is that he needed a much more robust financial process in his business that he understood. Because that's one of those levels that you hit at these plateaus, which is like, for a lot of our businesses, it really doesn't matter if you have a financial plan until it does. But it's worth implementing a financial review process right away. I think that's a really interesting takeaway. Jason talked about essentially having a cash flow spreadsheet, which is something that we use in our business. We have QuickBooks that a bookkeeper and an accountant does every single month. And if we want a financial picture of our business, what do you think? We go to our cash flow spreadsheet or do we go to what our bookkeeper brought to us? We go to our cash flow spreadsheet 95% of the time, unless we really need to drill down into something. And 90% of the time we're going to what our bookkeepers and accountings are doing in order for them to recategorize things. It's tempting to think when you relied on a bookkeeper accounting for years and it was just fine, that'll always be just fine. And oh, I'll just get a better one. And then they're going to tell me the strategy and it's not going to happen until you have a really sizable business. I would say, you know, a business that's spinning off at least half a million dollars in profits, maybe more like until you're going to have a financial team that maybe understands the finances better than you, you need to understand basic accounting in order to run a business. You should task yourself to that. Yeah. And even beyond accounting, I thought one of the most interesting points that he made was that we run these location independent businesses. We do a lot of outsourcing and you can outsource all kinds of things. You can outsource your graphic design. You can outsource your content. You can outsource your SEO or your ads. But when it comes to the responsibility for running the business, understanding how it's working, finances included, and leadership of your team, the bigger that the company gets, the more that that's going to matter. And that's not something that you can hand off to a firm. And what I thought was so interesting about Dana was that when he took that responsibility and read a couple of books, he was like, oh, I get it now. It wasn't like it was some impossible mountain to climb. It was just him taking the reins. Let's get moving on to Mallory LeBlanc. She is a great hang. She's incredibly smart and funny. 
And she started a business called Wildpeer, which their customer acquisition channel is TikTok. And their product is makeup products, facial cleaning products for women, especially those that have autoimmune disorders or sensitive skin, things like this. And what's so interesting about this business is it's incredible growth and how that all happened on TikTok. And one of the things that's cool about the DC is over the years, we've had a front row seat to these internet gold rushes is what we call them with a wink. And in pre-DC, there was like these affiliate gold rushes that we saw. And there was a that gold rush. And there was a FBA gold rush. And then there was a drop shipping gold rush. Then there was a crypto gold rush. And the reality is, is like the people who got on board with these trends early have had some incredible success. One of the ways someone, a member in the forum described it is TikTok is open for business right now. And that seems to be very, very true. Like personally, we've had like job posts go somewhat viral on TikTok and it's just a job post. It's not like a funny video. There's nobody on a beach in a bikini, like none of this weird TikTok stuff, like people dancing is legit just a job post that got tens of thousands of views. One of the ways I'm got the opportunity to like run Q and A after Mallory's talk. And she just kind of blew us away with get real about this, get on TikTok, use it, like stop looking down your nose at this stuff. There is real business happening here. And Jeff, I can think of so many times in the past when someone gave a similar message about a different platform. And it's so tough to switch that mindset of being critical to being open. And I thought that was the theme of Mallory's talk, the way her results have come in, the way she communicated sit with openness and humility and fun and engagement, I think made it easier for myself and, the, and, and I think the audience to say, hey, I'm going to like look at this and other things like it with an open mind. I remember, Jeff, when people were saying the same things about the Facebook newsfeed and there was a few people who said, you know what? I'm going to put my business on that thing. And those people, you'll know their names that, because they made one decision for a few years when Facebook newsfeed was open for business. And we all know that it's not now and, and not in the same way. Right. And so there is an enormous upside to seeing these early adopter channel marketing opportunities and really making a play at it in your business. Absolutely. And I think what's so impressive about Mallory is her ability to recognize that opportunity. One of my early mentors, Clay Collins, used to talk about one product, one channel, one message. And I think Mallory has done an unbelievable job of bringing something relevant and relatable and to exactly the audience that wants it in exactly the medium that they're using. And I don't think it's too late. I think there's still a lot of opportunity in TikTok, even if you don't know how to dance. Okay. So we're sticking to our theme here of breaking through revenue plateaus. I felt compelled, Jeff, to give a talk at this conference, which I, I think I'm getting a little bit more used to, especially as I kind of opened my talk. Like I was sort of semi-retired from business for a few years in between selling our last business and starting Dynamite Jobs. Um, of course, we hosted events and ran the forum and everything, but those are things that I had done for 10 years previous. And so it wasn't like there was all this new information I was learning about that on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, nowadays there is, and there are revenue plateaus to go through. And recently uh, in Q3, Q4, found ourselves stuck at like this mid five-figure range 
I'm just kind of having the same results every month, even though we were doing so many things. And the strategy that I think contributed greatly to us breaking through is one that we've been calling One Metric That Matters. Alex, who works for Dynamite Jobs, actually read Jim Huffman's book, who was on this podcast, and he identified this way of formulating a metric, the one metric that matters, something for the entire team to frame their conversations around. And we did that for Q1. And before the event, we had this amazing March of almost doing $100,000 in March. And we had this really compelling uh, weekly revenue chart where when we applied that OMTM, our business started going up and to the right because now every single team call is focused around this one metric that matters in our business. And it's made a big difference. And so for us in Dynamite Jobs, it's so complicated to do what we do that our mindsets got complicated about what we were doing. And we were talking about all these weird features and CRM integrations and this project and that instead of, hey, are we blowing away our clients with the number of candidate options that they have? And now we only do things that do that. And that's really focused our energy for the time being for this particular plateau. Hopefully we'll be better prepared to break through the next one. All right. Our next uh, speaker was actually a presenter, Quinn Zeta. And it was just really fun to put up members' websites on and have just a group conversation about what could be changed and what could be made better. It's so fascinating to have a live user testing situation where people completely misunderstand what you're saying. If you haven't ever experienced that, where you watch somebody use your website and you're not able to say anything to them and they're just talking through it, it's a vulnerable situation and it's one that you should really put yourself in. And so the takeaway from Quinn is really that the details really matter. At the high end, you're in charge of articulating and communicating the vision, recruiting and retaining the best staff and making sure that there's enough money to do all those things. But the details still matter. And digging into the details, how you're communicating your projects, something I just did this morning, Jeff, as a personal example, put my stopwatch on and I bought one of our products. And the whole way through, I read it as if I've never been there before the best I can and dig into every single sentence, every single button. How does it feel? How does it look? And I think those details really add up and make a difference. Yeah, Quinn's an absolute master at, at figuring out, you know, how to take a fresh look at these at these buying processes, at these sales processes on websites. And we're just thrilled that she was able to take the time to help some of our members out. All right. Our next speaker was Manish Sethi. Manish is pretty famous in the digital nomad world. I would say so. Like he helped Tim Ferriss launch the four hour body at the time. He had like a famous blog himself where he had these viral videos, sort of part of that mid to late aughts blogger boom and continued his fame by appearing on one of the most infamous episodes of Shark Tank, pitching the business he shared with us in Mexico called Pavlock. But Manish was very early to starting to work on kind of like the science and practice of behavioral change and, and in particular focus, which is a struggle for so many of us that like live and work on a laptop all day. I think one of the things Manish has an incredible amount of self-belief in the way he executes his ideas and think about the confidence and the ability to see an idea to its logical end where the idea of someone slapping you because you clicked over to Facebook instead of did the work you said you wanted to do 
is actually a deeply profound idea and ultimately an eight-figure wearables company. It takes a lot of confidence to build a company around electrifying your customers. And I give Manish a lot of credit for recognizing that moment in time and recognizing the challenge that so many of us were having. One of the things that I loved about Manish was that he wanted to get on stage. It was very important to him to start with a video of uh, him just getting roasted by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. I think that, again, that speaks to his character and his sense of humor. Hope to have given you a brief snapshot of just a few of the themes and trends that we saw in the room at our spring break event in Playa del Carmen. And for those of you looking to meet up, we've got a ton of organized events coming down the pike in London, New York, Lisbon, and many more over the summer. And we will try to bring you those insights in the coming months if you can't get on a plane quite yet. But before we go, I just wanted to talk to Jeff about how we very much have missed and are looking forward to getting back to Bangkok in October for the return of DCBKK. I really don't like thinking about it being three years since we've been to Bangkok, but I'm glad you guys found a, a rooftop to party on in Playa. That's a big part of our, our event's branding. I miss that Bangkok skyline for sure. I'm hoping that we can get some of the speakers who were in Playa and, and a bunch of other great ones to come join us in, in Bangkok this fall. But most importantly, I'm excited to see so many of our members and get back into our routine a little bit of Bangkok in October and North America, Mexico in the spring. Summer vacation in Europe, the good old DC calendar migration. Working on the contract and logistics for Bangkok. Uh, the venues are going to be spectacular. Food's great. Hotel's great. All that stuff. The after trips where people go in the region, they go to Vietnam, you name it. There's just all kinds of cool things you can do. The Chiang Mai migration, which for years was more than 100 members in town all at once. Incredible. The thing I'm really interested in in terms of our events and involving them is one of the things we've talked about is percentage of participation. So typically, for example, we have a mastermind day where 70% of attendees participate in the mastermind. We're trying to find shorter talk formats that get more and more members sharing their personal story in ways that are fun and engaging for them and not preparing some one hour long keynote like Gary Vee would give or something like that, but smaller, more accessible formats where it's, hey, did you have a, overcome a big challenge? Did you have a big win? Can we get you to share that from stage for a couple minutes? Interactive content segments like business idea donations where you can give a pitch. There's an incentive. I'm just really excited to find ways for more members to actively participate in the conferences. We've done that. We also do that through meetups. I just think the more ways, whether it's through masterminds or meetups or interest groups or whatever, mentors in the group, ways that you can have an interactive experience at a conference, it's just going to make it a better experience. And I think really that's our goal for uh, DCBKK 2022 is to have as many like positive entrepreneurial interactions as possible. And not just this situation where there's someone smart on stage and there's someone that needs to hear it in the audience. That's not really the vibe we've ever gone for. And I think we're moving more and more into that pure direction every year. I think the more that we can do to get more stories from our members on stage. We've talked for years about growing together. And the reality is that we can bring in a big keynote speaker, but the positive feedback, the most positive feedback that we get on our talks is from real DCers who've had a real breakthrough that year, sharing what's working right now. And we are excited to hear from as many of you as possible and get those ideas on stage. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.